It's time for episode 118 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 6th, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, where it's time for a new year. It's 2016, and I have a new co-host just for this week, not permanently, uh, across the table from me and across the country. It is Serenity Caldwell. Hello. Hello. You are iMores. Managing editor, yeah. Thank you for uh, filling in for Dan, who is uh, on vacation this week. Of course. I I was uh, very, very honored, although I'm sad that it's only this week. That's okay. Well, you know, we'll uh, be ashamed if something happened to him. Unable, unable to podcast. So sad. <laughs> uh, to my left, joining us today, it is all the way from Scotland, developer of PCALC and Drag Thing, Mr. James Thompson. Welcome back. Thank you. I was raised to do one thing, and that's appear on this show. Wait, is this not a Star Wars podcast? No. <laughs> no. no, well, we can, it, may be, it may become yeah. one for all for the three of us, but not our fourth <laughs> guests. <laughs> yes, uh, to my left, uh, the Midroll's very own Lex Friedman. Hi, everybody. Hi, Lex. It's so good to hear your voice. We used oh, to do this a lot. I know. Now we, we barely do it at all. I can't tell you the last time that Serenity and I podcasted together. It was very exciting for me. It is. I'm really, I'm really pumped. You ready to talk about Star Wars? I was also born to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> You've seen some of them. I have. I, I got have you all seen the spoilers the for the new one. No, no, I have not. No, see. There you well, go. I'm going to make several references. Lex to it, so. hasn't seen it. Um, <laughs> all right. So this is how this works. We do. Uh, we talk about four technology topics in 30 minutes. We are all people who are not at CES this week, by the way, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is going on in Woo. Las Vegas. Yeehaw. We're not at CES, although we're probably going to talk about it because my first topic is related to CES. And it's this. Um, a lot of smart devices get introduced every year at CES, not just this year. And, uh, you know, there's a Samsung refrigerator with a giant screen on it because people are still trying to make the smart refrigerator door happen. Um, It's not going to happen, people. Uh, So I I wanted you all to tell me, is there a device in your life that isn't smart that actually would be good if it got some smartness of some sort? What would that device be? James? Well, I'm actually at the point of trying to actively minimize as much smart in my devices <laughs> as I possibly can. Uh, my seven-year-old dumb TV is in the process of dying. Something that started immediately after a previous clockwise, where I said I didn't need to buy a new TV. So I can only conclude that the fates listen to this show. Mm-hmm. Um But I'm faced with the fact that even the lowest end TVs are now smart to some degree. You can't see, but I'm making very judgmental air quotes at the moment. And (laughs) I now have six devices connected to my TV that can play Netflix. So I don't need the TV itself to do so as well. And, you know, the same goes for my car. Not that my car can play Netflix, although now that I think about it, I bet cars totally do that these days. But what I mean is it's 17 years old and it's threatening to expire. And I don't want to replace it with something that's running lots of badly written software where more attention has been paid to dodging emissions tests than actual security. But, you know, cars are just smartphones with wheels now, and I don't think I can avoid that. Uh, I mean, my new HP printer has an app store built into it. You can buy smart Christmas trees. You know, I don't want to live in this technological terror that we've constructed. Um <laughs> I mean, incidentally, I recently passed on my uh, Sony Blu-ray player to my father for Christmas. It was less than four years old. So I set it up, connected it to the internet, 
and it immediately updated its firmware to the latest, and in the process removed Netflix, YouTube, the BBC iPlayer, and most of the other catch-up services, because the device was just no longer supported by anybody. So in a way, I guess I got my wish for a dumber device. Um, but really, uh, to, to answer your question, I want my Sphero BB-8 to be smarter yes. and, and bigger. And really, I just want a real BB-8, please. All right. So I, I agree with James. That was my, that was my joke answer. Uh, my semi-real answer, I'm not sure if I would actually like this because it has a potential, there are lots of creepy uh, potential implications and like machines going bad potential implications. But I really wouldn't mind my bed being a little bit smarter. Because I get, I would really love a device that, you know, either it was my bed or maybe it was something connected to my wrist, say, you know, one of the other many smart devices I already have, that actually lets me know when is uh, optimal for me to wake up in the morning so that I feel as bushy, you know, as, as bright and bushy tailed as I possibly can be. Because I feel like, you know, when you're in bed, especially when you have a comfy bed, I just got a Casper, um, you want to be inherently lazy. You're like, oh, it's so comfy. I don't want to get up. And I would really love for maybe not necessarily like an electric shock, but like something to just kind of go, hey, you should wake up now. This is an optimal time for you to be woken up out of, you know, your light sleep so that you can feel the rest of, you know, spend the rest of the day feeling awesome. I, I used to wear a, a jawbone up that did that. And it always woke me up at the peak of my window where I said I could wake me up. So basically saying, you should not wake up. Also, my bed is smart. It, it monitors my sleep. It doesn't tell me when to wake up. But my, I do have a smart bed. Yeah. Uh, but the, um, the thing that I want is uh, a smart fireplace. Because uh, huh. this is my first time having a fireplace. And, you know, it's fun learning to, you know, build fires and not bring your house down at the same time. <laughs> but like, I would like my fireplace to say, cause I don't want to switch to a gas fireplace. I like that it's wood burning. I wanted to tell me, Hey, now would be a good time to add another log or why don't you move this one over here? I don't think the technology could exist. I think it's pie in the sky, but I would like it anyway, because right now I like, it's literally the fire is burning in the next room and I can't see it now. But if it could send me a notification saying, hey, you have to stop recording clockwise for a minute to throw another log on the fire, <laughs> I, would to I would never do that to you guys. But I would like to know that I should be doing it and I can't know. You want your own personal Ron Swanson, basically, in computer <laughs> yes, form. Exactly right. I, I think robot butlers in various forms is really that's sort of what an ideal smart appliance is. I got as listeners to this podcast know I have a I, an automatic tea maker now, which is great. Except it just causes causes me to want the the robot that loads the tea maker and the robot that brings me the tea at the end. So it never <laughs> ends. Um, I, I realize that these devices do exist, but what I don't have is a smart enough uh, radiator. I have a, I have a space heater in my office that is separate from the rest of the house, and it's uh, it's highly rated on the wire cutter but it's really dumb like it has a little uh, ticky windy uh, clock thing that will turn itself on and off and and i want uh i want a smart device a smart thermostat that's either on it or a smart thermostat i can plug into the wall and the, the shame is they do make smart thermostats like the nest and the ecobee but they don't make them so that you can plug them into an outlet and plug a heater or an air conditioner into them so i am back now to dumb technology in order to make it that it's only heating the uh the garage when i when i want it to be heated and to a level that i want it to be heated and it's like come on i want it to be smarter i want it to have scheduling and and 
uh, and Wi-Fi so I can turn it on from bed when I wake up in the morning. And uh, and I don't have any of those things yet. So I'm sure that I'm sure they're coming. Um, they're coming along with the robot butlers. The robot butlers will bring them, in fact, to the door. Let's move on to topic number two. Uh, James, what's your topic? So it's a brand new year, a time when people typically tell themselves that they're going to change for the better, at least for January. Uh, Have you made any New Year's resolutions that involve tech? Hmm. New Year's resolutions that involve tech. Actually, I brought this up on the last, uh, the last clockwise, which is that I've been trying to not touch my iPhone until I get out of bed, because otherwise I spend the first hour and a half of my day sitting in bed answering emails on my phone smartphone because I can. Uh, And that worked especially well today because my charger didn't work. So I went to pick up my iPhone just to check the time and it's like, your phone is dead. So, uh, so yeah, working really well so far. (laughs) I'm trying to use technology less. That's my resolution. My my actual only resolution that I made was that I want to uh, do less travel for work, which I think I'm going to be able to do. But uh, I was as a, a corollary as I'm just trying to overall work less. So I guess it's not even use less technology because I'm totally happy to be entertained by an iOS device or whatever else. I just want to, um, I don't know. I, I was, I taped an episode of the rebound yesterday where we were talking about how Apple executives claimed pre Apple watch release that, um, they found that wearing their Apple watches really uh, reduced the amount of time they spent using their phones and made them feel more present and connected. And what my Apple watch makes me feel like is I'm going to try to pretend that I'm still maintaining eye contact with you and paying attention, but something just taps on my wrist and I'm desperate to know what it is. Uh-huh. I'm trying to break that mentality so that I don't have to care what tapped me on my wrist, but I'm not yet ready to turn off the taps on my wrist. So that's, I'm trying, I'm trying, but it's, that's where it, I'm headed. It's funny. Cause for me, um, what the Apple watches let me do is I don't walk around the house with my phone in my pocket. I leave yep. the phone connected to the charger uh, in the kitchen and I just don't worry about it because I know that if something happens on my phone, I'm going to get a notification, which I actually really, I do like, and it does, it does sort of disconnect me further from the phone. I'm only uh, using the phone when I sort of actively need to use the phone um, rather than waiting for notifications. I, I mentioned this on a, a previous episode that one of my uh, tech resolutions is just that when I'm in the, uh, the writing zone, I'm trying to be creative, that I be diligent about quitting Twitter and Slack and email and focus better because those things pop up with notifications or they're just sitting right there and they're already launched. And I had a bunch of people email and say, you know, there there's programs that will block social media and block things uh, in, or, in order to uh, make you focus. It's like, I, I don't need that extra level. If I quit them, then they're quit. And that's enough for me. And so that's been uh, my, my primary resolution is just to, to keep the, to keep the focus away from, uh, from uh, social media when I'm working on uh, writing and need to focus on writing. Well, mine's a fairly traditional resolution. So uh, this time is typically the slow part of the year for me business-wise. It's usually all a blur from the start of WWDC until the beginning of December. But the start of the year is when I can sort of work on special projects, stuff that I know I won't get the time to do in the second half of the year. And I think the special project I'm going to work on this year is me. Um, So... I know you wouldn't think it to look at me, but I'm not as young as I used to be 20 years ago. And the the many years of sitting in a chair programming all day and not exercising as much as I could have are beginning to catch up with me. So my goal is to get a bit fitter and lose a bit of weight, at least until WWDC rolls around and I put it all back on due to <laughs> Apple-related stress eating or just down to a single week of American-sized portions. Uh, 
But I think I've run out of excuses not to do so now. So I've got my Apple Watch monitoring my every waking move. I have a Fitbit scale measuring my every gram slash ounce. And I have an elliptical cross trainer in my front room that's silently judging me for letting it gather (laughs) dust for the last four months. So I have to think that there's some way that I can leverage all this technology to make a difference. I know it can't actually make me exercise or eat more sensibly, but I'm hoping I can construct something that can point me in the right direction. And there's, uh, and if there's one thing programmers like, it's creating complex solutions to simple problems like just eat less and exercise more. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Uh, those those are all good. Yeah, James, actually, that's, that reminds me one of the things working at home that I, I've resolved. It's not just a fitness resolution. It's also just generally a, I need to get out of the house a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. And I have a dog. Mm. Um, and so the, the, and I have lots of podcasts in my podcast backlog. So one of my resolutions is also to make sure that every day I walk the dog a fairly lengthy walk and I can catch up on my podcast while I do that. And everybody's happy. The dog's happy. I'm happy. I get to listen to podcasts. It's all good. Um, so we are at halftime. We have two more topics left to go, but I want to take a break to tell you about our sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Linode. Now, what is Linode? It is a combination of high-performance SSD-based Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world. Uh, it makes Linode a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. My Linode server, and I do have one, is in the Dallas data center. That's a little uh, little tidbit there. You can get a server up and running in less than a minute. Plans are incredibly reasonable. They start at $10 a month. Uh, you, you're able to choose your resources, which Linux distro you want, the node location. It's all from their web-based manager tool. And once it's up and running, you can deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. It couldn't be easier. It is kind of mind-blowing how easy it is to create these uh, these servers and uh, change their characteristics all from Linode's website. They have industry-leading native SSD storage, powerful Intel E5 processors, which are the fastest you can get in the cloud market. They they have access to a 40 gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy. And there's an API that lets you automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on its plans and add- plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. So basically, it's a little bit like a phone plan where you get a maximum sort of cap and you, you so the bill you get makes sense. You're not you're not getting a wild bill one month and then a teeny tiny bill. It's sort of a monthly plan. I've been really happy with mine. Mine has got a lot of uh, transfer data. The incomparable and six colors are running on the the same Linode server. Uh, it's it's incredibly stable, and uh, you know I couldn't be happy with it. I am one of Linode's four hundred thousand happy customers. Uh, the support is great. It's twenty four seven support. Uh, they keep updating the infrastructure. They they switched uh, from Xen to uh, KVM. I don't even know these Unix terms, but I know that it was a three hundred percent performance increase. We did a reboot and we got the the new system and uh, it's a great performance increase. Run a private Git server, host large databases, run a mail server, operate powerful applications, run your website like I do, a bunch of websites and CMSs and a live stream. All of that stuff is happening on Linode. So here's what you do. Go to linode.com slash clockwise. You'll support us. You'll support, uh, you'll get $20 toward any Linode pan, plan and you get a seven-day money-back guarantee. So there's nothing to lose. Linode.com, L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash clockwise. Learn more, sign up and take advantage of the $20 credit. Thank you so much to Linode for keeping all of the things I do on the web alive and for sponsoring Clockwise. All right. Halftime is over. Serenity, what is your topic? 
My topic is somewhat related to your topic, Jason. As you mentioned, it is CES week, uh, which is all kinds of exciting for us because we're not there. I actually mm-hmm. normally like CES, but um, nope. but I've had a I've had a bit of a year, so I'm like I'm enjoying not having to run around Las Vegas. But my question to to you guys is: Is there anything you've spotted at this year's CES? There's been lots and lots of articles so far that you would actually put in your house. Or on your body. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the coverage of CES. <laughs> I muted it on Twitter. And I don't write about it for a living anymore, right? So I just, I, I said, you know what? I'm not going to follow it. Because if anything is really meaningful and impactful, I'll find out about it sometime after CES. And then that's when I'll discover it. So I truly, the only thing I know is uh, Philip Michaels, another former colleague of ours, um, he tweeted a video that he did for uh, Tom's Guide about some kind of motion-sensitive device that connects to your iOS devices. And then you can, like, if you're cooking and your hands are dirty, you wave your hand over this thing and it can unlock your iPad and you can have it trigger different kinds of taps virtually, I guess. Um, but I would never buy that. So I have no answer to your question. <laughs> I think that's solid. Uh, un- um, the, uh, unlike Lex, I did uh, flip through a couple of websites as preparation for this question. Because um, <laughs> I too have also tried to not follow very much from CES. So I'm going to say uh, the the thing that I think is interesting and will uh, I will ultimately get in my home is a TV that supports HDR video. That's one of the things that they're they're really pushing this year. And I think HDR, unlike 3D, is a thing that is going to come to most TVs and that people are going to like because it's high dynamic range. It basically dramatically improves what you see on your TV set. The ability to show brighter and darker objects and have a, a, a much better gamut um, of lightness and darkness than standard TVs offer. And there are standards now. There's some competing standards, but they're kind of interoperable. So in the end, I do think that we're going to get lots of TVs that support high dynamic range. And I think that's good. And I will want to get one of those at some point the next time I buy a TV, probably. I probably am not interested in getting an Oculus Rift in my house, even though it looks pretty cool, because I don't think I want to spend $600 on a VR set of VR goggles. James? Um, yeah, I think this is likely to be one of the shortest clockwise answers ever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I looked at some of the coverage and, you know, nothing really stood out to me. There was the wristband that lets you control BB-8 with the force. And if I'm honest, I don't really need that. I would like one, but it's not going to get a huge amount of use. Um, <laughs> the Oculus Rift VR headset, yeah, as Jason said, it's $600 for the headset itself, but will also require many thousands of dollars worth of PC to drive it that I don't have either. And to be honest, plugging myself into a virtual reality world is not going to help with my resolution of trying to get fitter. Um, the the Griffin BreakSafe MagSafe for USB-C adapter was interesting, but the only device that I have that has USB-C is my Apple TV. So I don't really need MagSafe for that. Uh, and the only other thing was there's the, um, the fixed wing parrot drone uh, that can fly at 50 miles an hour. But I don't think I actually want that in my home because it would break a lot of things. <laughs> you need a pretty big home to fly that, Well, I think. you know, I'm not Lex, but... <laughs> because I'm not covering CES, I haven't paid it a whole bunch of attention, which is also why I asked the question. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, the big thing... I really like that USB-C adapter, but I don't have a MacBook. I know when Renee saw it, it was like 
it was Christmas for him all over again. He's like, yes, this is exactly what I want. Uh, for me, I'm in the market for a new ceiling fan, and they just announced, Hunter just announced that it's going to have HomeKit-enabled ceiling fans uh, that aren't really that much more expensive than the ceiling fans I was looking at anyway. So my feeling is kind of, well, if I'm going to get a ceiling fan anyway, it would be nice if I could control it via the internet. So, I, you know, uh, but I, otherwise, I kind of agree with Jason. Uh, at some point, I'm going to need to get a new te- television for this house. And HDR is uh, is a useful feature as opposed to all of the other things in smart TVs, which are kind of boring. All right, uh, Lex, you're going to close us out today. Uh, as you may know, I have three kids. One of them is nine. And Boy. the uh, the nine-year-old is... Uh, was saw a cousin recently at a family event. The cousin's turning 10 soon. And she said, when I turn 10, I get an iPhone. And so then Anya was like, hey, when I turn 10, can I have an iPhone? And uh, Lauren, my wife, Lauren Friedman, not Jason's, and I looked at each other and we said, uh, we don't know. <laughs> and so the question is, when is a kid old enough to get an iPhone? Uh, for us, it was when they went to middle school because the middle school is further away. And they are also gaining more independence and um, and getting themselves to and from school, which they aren't really doing before when they're in uh, when they were in the elementary school here. Um, and what so year that, does middle school start for you? By the so way, sixth grade. Sixth grade. Got it. So uh, so this year, my son went to to us uh, the middle school, and we got him an iPhone. And the same happened with uh, it's a hand me down iPhone with, with his sister. They added we we used an old iPhone and added them to our our plan, our AT and T family plan. And, uh, and I think it's been good. He doesn't use it very much. My daughter uses hers endlessly now, but now that she's in high school, but he doesn't use his very much still it's there. And if he needs it, he can text me or call me in an emergency. And, uh, with, uh, find my friends, I can see where he is and make sure he's getting home. Okay. And that's all been good. So that's for us. That was it. It was going off to sixth grade and going to the middle school. Well, speaking as somebody without children, so that makes me entirely qualified to yes. speak on this subject. <laughs> Most qualified. <laughs> Um, I'd say whenever you trust said little person to run around with a multi-hundred dollar device in their pocket and not break it or lose it. This is not true of many adults, it should be pointed out. (laughs) Um, But I consulted an actual parent earlier today and they said around 11 or 12 for a phone generally, maybe a bit older for an actual smartphone. Uh, My understanding is that if you don't have a smartphone at high school and the right kind of smartphone at that, you will have no friends and be excluded from any and all social life and events, except those runs by except those run by the kind of boring parents that won't (laughs) let their kids have iPhones. So why would you do that to your kids, Lex? Um, But the real Apple approved answer is four because that is the minimum age rating you can give to any app on the App Store. And, and truly, what's the point of having an iPhone if you can't run Peacock on it? <laughs> Very big questions. Perhaps this year we'll see the unveiling of the iPhone Junior, because the only growth market left for Apple is to make smartphones for children. Yeah, um, I also do not have children. So uh, my experience is actually based on my own cell phone experience, because I'm young enough to have hit uh, hit puberty around when the cell phone explosion was going off. For my parents, it was 10 and 13, respectively, uh, primarily because we were, uh, like Jason's kids, we were going elsewhere. 
So we were going places by ourselves and potentially in situations where my parents would not have immediate eye coverage or, you know, one of their parents' friends wouldn't have immediate coverage. My sister and I were both skating, so we would go to the rink for two or three hours at a time to go do lessons and things like that. So having a phone was a lot easier than going to a pay phone and saying, hey, mom, come pick me up. And also pay phones don't really exist now. So I would <laughs> I would say when when your kids are old enough that they're actually going places without you, it's probably a good starting point and uh and then they can start worrying about the texting the friends and all of that but i also think that uh james is you know old enough to not break something is is pretty valid too it's yeah i mean that's these are all really good points the way i've been thinking about it is uh i don't want to do things just because all the other parents are doing it but at the same time although james was making kind of a joke about it like if all of your kids friends are texting and your kid is missing out on it that's probably uh, there's probably some crappy parenting aspect to that if if you're unfairly or unduly uh, socially punishing your kid. Uh, that said, I'm hoping to wait until around 12. Uh, what we might do sooner is, you know, every, at least in the U.S., the law is if a cell phone can work, it has to be able to call 911 even if it doesn't have an active service plan. So I was thinking that maybe at a younger age you could be, you know, practice having an iPhone that doesn't have uh, a data plan on it. You know, so or doesn't it's like, have, an, like iPod an iPod touch, plan. right? Basically, to have an iPod touch that could be used in an absolute emergency, not to call us, but to call <laughs> to call the authorities. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? But uh, I'm hoping to wait as long as possible. Yeah, that's my strategy. That's not not a bad strategy. I realize that my son's uh, iPad Mini now is my old iPad Mini with uh, cellular, and that uh, he and, and he loves it and uses it, and that I, w- I would have been better off just adding the tablet to our cell phone pl- plan and having him carry that with him in his bag because it would still give GPS and location. He could still send me texts, and he never calls me anyway, so I don't know why he has the phone. But oh well, old habits. And he style. could FaceTime audio you. He could. Uh, anyway, we will move on. That's four great topics. We have the bonus topic yet to come. I want to tell you our bonus topic this week brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code clockwise at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace says, built it beautiful. When it comes to giving yourself a place online, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power you need into your hands and then take away the pain points like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. You can build a site that looks professionally designed because it is professionally designed. Their templates are gorgeous. You don't need to have any design skill. There's no coding required. You use easy-to-use Squarespace tools to make these websites that look and feel exactly how you want. They are running on state-of-the-art technology to power your site. They're secure. They're stable trusted by millions of people, including some of the most respected brands in the world. The site templates, as I mentioned, they're responsive design. Not only are they beautiful, but they look great on any device, whether it's a little tiny phone or a tablet or a giant computer. They look good everywhere. That's what responsive design does. And there are tons more awesome features. There's 24-7 support with live chat and email. Their team's located all across the globe in Dublin, Portland, and New York. Uh, There's a commerce platform. You can add a store to your Squarespace site. Anyone can do it. you can sell stuff from your site. They have the cover page, which is a great single page website. The list goes on. There is so much there. And then if you want to stretch it further, they also have a developer platform that lets you dig into the code and tinker with your site. So if you sign up for a year, you even get a free domain name, which lets you choose exactly what you want your site to be called. And plans start as just low as $8 a month. 
and you can do a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. So go to squarespace.com, and when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CLOCKWISE to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. Thank you to Squarespace for their support of CLOCKWISE and Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. All right, bonus topic time. Here's my bonus topic for all of you. I, this is a, I'm expecting a short answer. I am not expecting anything knowledgeable, but I want an answer. Who the NFL playoffs start this weekend? That's American football. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Well, I, I would have to say the advertisers and the TV networks because. Uh, <laughs> Given my extensive knowledge of American sports, I randomly picked the San Francisco Giants, and I am informed that they are not playing the Super Bowl. <laughs> or indeed a football team. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, Scotland, good luck. Bless you, Scotland. Serenity, <laughs> what is your prediction? Um, well, James stole my initial answer, so I'm just going to say whatever cute uh, puppy is in the ads this this year. I don't watch a lot of football. The I'm puppy sorry, bowl guys. is going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, All the right. puppy bowl always wins the Super Bowl. It's amazing. Lex, not the Eagles. No, the Carolina Panthers. Okay. Carolina Panthers are going to win. All right. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. That's going to be my pick. See, finally, some football talk. Lex and I, we, we, we understand the footballs. <laughs> well, we, we do have great football teams that we root for. Yeah, that's, that's right. I've got two. I've got the 49ers and the Chargers. Double the terrible. <laughs> Woo! Fly equals fly. Uh, all right. That is it. We are done. I would like to thank Mr. James Thompson. Thanks for being here. We'll see each other again. I believe that. Thank you, Lex. Thank you so much for being here. It's always lovely to talk with you. Thank you. The feeling is mutual. And as, as Obi-Wan Kenobi says, uh, live long and prosper. That's pretty much it. The story checks out. <laughs> and to everybody else out there, we remind you, as always, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.